The destination of this train is North Station. Welcome to another edition of North Station Hoops. I'm your host, Nate Georgie, and I'm joined alongside, like always, the incredible, the charismatic, the handsome, Scott Levine. Scott, how we doing, man? The triple threat of podcast hosting. What's so that? Handsome, charismatic, and... Yeah, and uh, what was it? Incredible? Yes. Um, it's too bad this is a podcast, so only you only see the incredible and charismatic part. But maybe we'll do some premium hoops video content in the future. I've I've been told I have a good face for radio, but uh, this is upping <laughs> my self esteem. Uh yeah, sounds good to me. I mean, good face for radio is that is that like supposed to be the pun? I, I oh I think it's a I think it's I think people are just roasting me. Oh well, who's told you that? I don't like that. Nobody. I just have a persecution complex. <laughs> All right. Um, Scott, so today, I mean, last time we recorded was the trade deadline one where we previewed trade deadline moves. Um, and we hit one. Evan Fournier is on the Celtics. So we've played about four or so games since then. So we're just going to kind of give you a broad, kind of broad to start overview um, on how it's been since then, how we've looked. Uh, we're going to get into some details on stuff we like, stuff we don't like. We'll get into a couple of players, um, for example, Fournier, and how he's looked because apparently he doesn't know what it's like to miss shots anymore because he just doesn't miss a jumper anymore. But um, So I guess we can start with uh, how the offense has been looking because, I mean, we're I don't have the number in front of me, but since I'd say that Milwaukee game, uh, we took an L against Milwaukee March 24th. We came back March 26th and beat them. Um, since then, the ball has been moving great. Um, part of that has been Fournier. He's helped. Well, I mean, we'll get into that. But, um, Scott, how's the offense been looking to you? You've been digging it? This is kind of what we expected from, you know, the get-go when Kemba came back, right? Uh, you just have him. You have Smart. Um you know, Tatum's improved as a passer. You have guys who like to get out in transition. And I really think they <clears throat> have kind of done a lot of soul searching as a team. Um, Marcus had those quotes where he was like, yeah, this is, we have a chance to turn this around a couple of weeks ago. And I really think they took that to heart. Um, I've seen just a lot more life to the offense. Um, and I think some of that is trading for Fournier. I think uh, some of that is promoting Rob Williams, who's, We'll obviously talk about him. Holy fucking shit, Rob Williams. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, well, I even before the Fournier edition and before the uh, Time Lord promotion, uh, are we going to start calling him by his real name, huh? It's probably just... <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, is he going to still be Time Lord? Like, is he going to keep his meme nickname from his rookie year? Part of me feels like yes, because – you know, it comes from weird, weird Celtics Twitter, and they've been encouraged for too long to the point where they are just unstoppable and uncorrigible. And uh, I think it's going to stay the same. But, yeah, I've been calling him Rob uh, maybe a few more a few more, more often than I otherwise would. I've been calling him Rob Williams because, you know, he's not the, the meme rookie who's late for everything anymore. He's a, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a good starting caliber NBA player now. Well, I think the issue here is with the nickname. Um, the more minutes he gets and the more, the more like, popular he gets with, like, national media and all that, they're going to start catching on to the Time Lord name. Because, I, mean, I mean, the broadcast says, says it all the time, too. I hear Doris Burke saying it all the time. So I think it's just going to actually get bigger from this point, to be honest. But I think Celtics fans might start saying Rob. I don't know. I've started saying Rob a little more. Uh, besides the point. Um, I think the ball, even before Fournier got here, it was moving really well for a couple games there. Uh, I think Fournier's first game was against New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken, in which he shot 0 for 10. Um, but, you know, for a week stretch there, I think they really tried to figure out who they were offensively, their identity. And the ball was complete. Like, it was night and day, the difference between the two offenses. When you look at, let's say, that game against Milwaukee, probably their most impressive one of the year. Um, at Milwaukee, you look at that versus 
loss against Sacramento where we put up 96 and it was ISO, 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 spread, pick and roll, ISO, you know, kick it out, dribble it back out. Um, it was, it was ugly. Um, and Fournier has definitely helped in that aspect. The three games or the four games since we've had him, even though he shot terribly uh, the first two or at least the first one, you can see what he can bring to this offense. Um, not beside beside what he did against Houston, where he hit you know six threes in the fourth, whatever it was, didn't even hit the rim on any of them. Um, you can see how big and how important it is to have a real NBA player that can attack a closeout and that can make a quick decision. Um, I saw last night against Charlotte before he got started getting going. There were like three shepherd times where he caught it on the kickout, attacked the closeout real quick, and made an extra swing pass. Um, you know, it's just something we didn't have. Adding a real NBA player, like an actual skilled, gifted offensive player, you know, it makes a big difference. Not even for himself. Even if, even if his shot isn't falling, you know, teams have to attack. The, teams have to close out hard to him. Um, and if they don't, he's a lethal shooter. He's a quick decision maker. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about Fournier already from that last pod, but adding him is going to help. It's only going to get better, in my opinion. I mean, these guys are going to build chemistry together. I mean, this is their – they've played three games now basically with Evan Fournier. Smart's been in and out of the lineup. Kemba's been in and out of the lineup. So it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take time, Lord, time as well. Um, but, you know, I like the way the offense is heading. Yeah, I think what they've really done is crowdsource the creation because when you have – when you're building around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, we've talked about how, you know – They've made strides, but are still kind of limited as passers, as creators, when you compare them to other all-stars. And so, since we don't really have that third star, um, I mean, I guess Kemba is the closest thing we have, and he's really, really good, but he's not going to quite, you know, buoy the offense all by himself. He's not going to, you know, spray the ball Luka style where it needs to go. So, as a result, you need to kind of get a little bit of contributions from the passing from everybody, whether it's, you know, smart, whether it's Kemba, whether it's uh, Evan Fournier. And I think it becomes a lot more easy to do that when you just, like you said, have another NBA quality starter who can make those decisions and who can just kind of keep the ball singing um, because that lets Tatum and Brown really focus on what they're good at, which is putting the ball in the hole. Yeah. I mean, they're they're making life easier on Brown and Tatum. I mean, it's you, you give them you give them like real NBA players around them, and you kind of see what you know what this offense is made of. Uh, so to get into these games a little bit, I'd like to before we uh, kind of get too deep into time logs. I think we're gonna have a pretty juicy talk about him. Um, I mean, how can't you? Um, how do you think they looked against? Uh, I know Charlotte last night was a more or less a pretty easy win. They were without LaMelo. They are without Hayward. Uh, I believe Malik Monk is out as well. Um, so, you know, not really the greatest competition there. But how did you – how did the team look in your mind? Because I thought it was the best defensive game we've had in some time. Like the first game, like the offense has looked good for a while now, but the defense has still been, you know, iffy. But I think last night it was probably our best defensive game in a while. Yeah, and I was actually, in particular, surprised with Fournier's defensive chops mm. in that game. You know, you you kind of had the reputation as a as a, a not necessarily a liability, but not really bringing anything, right? And maybe some guy you have to hide in some matchups. Um, but I was actually quite. I felt like he was getting in passing lanes and digging down and and and, and just kind of making stuff happen. Uh, not to the point, like not to the degree of like a Smart or a Tatum, but. Um, yeah, I thought everybody kind of rotated well. I think uh, Rob Williams is just getting better at defense every game, which really helps. Um, I thought, you know, they're going with a lot of Tatum at the four. They've kind of uh, abandoned that two big lineup, which good good riddance. And it's been Tatum's responsibility to be the low man when they bring Rob up to blitz or hedge on a pick and roll. And I thought he's done that well, pretty well. Um, I think it does help that, you know, Charlotte's offense without Lomelo or Monk or whomever else they had gets a little stagnant, like Terry and Graham are going to just take high difficulty shots and either make them or miss them. Um, but I think it, even if it's like, even if we're doing this against bad teams, 
I think it's good to see that we're not playing down to the level of Houston or down to the level of uh, Charlotte because that's been the case sometimes. And I think that comes from not having a concrete identity and uh, kind of being confused about what you should do game to game, possession to possession. And I think they've kind of made a lot more sense of how they want to play and executed that. Yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of not playing down to their competition, I think what you said is true. I mean, having who they want to be in their mind helps. Um, and I'm not going to dismiss the fact that they're at home with fans. I, you know, I think that makes a difference on just keeping – just staying focused and staying locked in on what's in front of you and in the game. Because, you know, I mean, let's be real. It's If you're in an empty gym playing – like let's say you're a star player here, you're playing 36 minutes. It's not exactly like the easiest thing to be super laser focused all the time playing a basketball game like – in an empty gym. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of tough. And when you, when you're at home and you have all these fans, it's got to help. I mean, especially when the other night against, uh, who was it that we were down big against? Was that Dallas that we came back and lost still? I think it was Dallas. I think that was, uh, wasn't that Pelicans? Actually, it might've been the Pelicans. Either way, the crowd was booing. You know what I mean? Like that was the first Mm -hmm. time this year they experienced booing. So that had to have helped, you know, they, they, they probably, you know, it was a kick in the ass. They're like, listen, like we're the Celtics. We play in Boston. We can't be giving like even if a Boston team loses, it's fine. You, but you have to, you have to bust your ass out there. And they probably realize, and probably smart got in their ears, you know. And it just they're like, this isn't Boston basketball, you know. If if a team out talents us, if we miss a bunch of shots like against New Orleans, we shot. We were shooting a. Uh, God, what was it? It was fucking terrible. It was like well, they couldn't miss. Like Nikhil Alexander Walker yeah. and Josh Hart were like Clay Thompson out there. Yeah, but the ball was moving, and we just weren't hitting shots offensively. But defensively, yeah, like they were hitting everything. But I thought our defense was really poor against sure. New Orleans as well. Um, but yeah. I think with Kemba, um, especially, I don't know. This is kind of more of a romantic take. I don't really have any Ooh. evidence to back this up. But I just think when you look at Kemba. Uh, he is just a guy who loves the stage of basketball, right? Um, I don't know if you knew this, but when he was like 10, 11, he would perform, you know, he would dance at Radio City Music Hall. Huh. Um, yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that, ex- that, that explains his personality. That's <laughs> Exactly. It's, yeah, he's, he's, more, he's just as much of an entertainer as a basketball player um, when he really gets in his, in, in his element. Um, and then you obviously saw that in the Big Ten tournament. I, you know, the bright lights of Madison Square Garden were on him, and uh, he absolutely flourished. And then, yeah, just the way he plays, the kind of smile he has on, the uh, the the flair to his game, I just feel like that's a guy who especially draws energy from the crowd. You know, he wants everybody to have a good time. He wants to put on a show. Uh, and I respect that about him, and – you know, maybe that's just confirmation bias that he's playing better with fans, but someone like Kemba, especially like, you know, maybe it was like, maybe it was like, you know, going to performing at Radio City one night and nobody was there. I imagine he just wouldn't dance with the same pizzazz. (laughs) And that's what we've seen with him lately. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just recovering from that knee injury, but he definitely has been playing really well lately. Yeah, he's been playing... I don't think the shot has been, like, super hot. Um, I think he's well past the days of, you know, when he first came back from that injury where he just – he looked lost, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair. Uh, But I think he's well past that. I mean, I tweeted out last night that he – that was the most aggressive – not aggressive because he wasn't, like, just trying to get to the paint just to – draw fouls or finish at the rim but he was just super quick and bursty getting by defenders and just creating advantages for the offense and if he can be that initial if he can consistently be that initial guy who can penetrate the defense and break it down um you got guys like smart you got guys like fournier tatum brown who can all be play connectors who can all be play finishers i mean that's just that's just a heaven sent i mean it's just you saw it last night for that stretch where the offense, I mean, we were down big and then we went on like a 21 to eight run. And then it was like a 16 to four run back to back. And it wasn't even like, 
it, it wasn't even great defense. I mean, I, th- we, I think we played good defense, but it was just the offense and the ball was moving. I mean, you look at the Houston game, you had some absolutely beautiful passing possessions that we saw, like stuff I have not seen from this team all season long um, that's been happening the last week or so. Uh, you know, Smart had some of those incredible passes to Grant Williams. Grant Williams had made some amazing passes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Grant, but he's starting to, you know, I guess kind of figure out what he, – he knows what he should be doing out there. You know what I mean? Like He, he knows, always does. Yeah. Exactly. But he knows he shouldn't be, like, trying to create, even though for some reason the last few games he, he keeps trying to take these one-on-three fast breaks that are – Oh, yeah. He had that one – he had that one uh, shacked in a fool. Against Houston. Three-on-one botch. But other than that, yeah, Grant's been playing so well. Um, he's actually like shooting like on low volume, like forty percent from three this season, mm-hmm. which kind of checks out. Like when I think of Grant in the corner, it's much more often a make than it was in past years. So like, I still kind of feel uneasy. <laughs> Maybe because he, you know, had such a up and down shooting year last year. So I'm kind of conditioned to be like, oh, Grant's. Uh, I don't feel great about this. Kind of like with Ojale where he's like shooting better, but you're still like, ah, every time he releases the ball. Um, but I'm, I guess I could learn to trust Grant. And I think that, you know, we've kind of seen it this year. It's opened up his quick passing to be a shooting threat. Um, there was that play you're probably referring to against the, uh, against the Rockets where uh, he kind of warranted the closeout and saw Rob Williams alone. So he kind of got into his spot up motion and, immediately instead of shooting it he just kind of dimed up rob williams for the lob and uh that was like that's prime that's like that's the ideal for grant's offense is just being kind of a uh facilitator from the from from the wings from from the uh you know the corner if need be but uh it can use them in pick and pops and kind of provide a you know a a facsimile of that stretch participator skill set that Horford brought in the past maybe not quite to the same degree but like a little bit of that yeah I think he can kind of also be like a a poor man's Rob in the sense of and how often we use Rob in DHOs and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's you you talked about it in your piece and how great that would be for Jason Tatum uh, but not only Tatum a guy like Jalen Brown where mm-hmm. you know it yeah. takes advantage of his athleticism when he's just catching the ball and going uh but, yeah, that's somewhere Grant could be great. Uh, he's a great screen setter. He's a good decision maker. And if that shot's falling, he's going to have guys on him. I think I think he can honestly punish um, a defense for overplaying the DHL a little more than Rob can. Um, not because I think he's more skilled, but I think that's in his head to do that sometimes. Whereas Time Lord, I, I mean, you never see him fake a DHL and go. I see it with Grant. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it looks ugly, but, um, you know, I think that'd be a great area for Grant as well. Uh, but he's been good. I mean, a lot of these players have been playing really well. There was uh, one of those plays for Rob against uh, Houston where uh, he um, kind of faked and went, but it was like, to your point, it felt kind of mechanical. Um, it didn't, it, it seemed like uh, he barely got the dribble off. I think he's still not the most fluid mover when he has the ball. Um but, yeah, that would obviously be so great if Rob could do that consistently. But I agree. Rob's always looking for that pass. You know, he's he's very deferential um, in those situations. And I still think he's hasn't quite pieced together how he can be a part of that as a fake as, – as a keeper um, as well as a passer. Well, I mean, you gave us a little teaser there. So, we might as well just get right into Rob Williams and talk about him. Uh yeah. Yeah, and I just want to first uh, talk about, you know, when when talking about how much the offense has looked like it's been given life, I think a lot of that is just Rob being such a uh, potent finisher um, off lobs, off, you know, there's been a lot of dump-offs where we just give it down to him and he just carves out a little bit of space for the layup. And I think that's where, you know, I watch these games and I'm like, they don't, I, I, I've never once thought, man, they could really use Daniel Tice. And I just think that it made more sense to feature Tice last year when we had so much offense. Uh, we had, you know, Kemba pre-knee stuff. 
we had Hayward and all our center really needed to do was just set screens, uh, seal guys, grab rebounds and, you know, make, make the occasional nice pass on offense, but we don't quite have that firepower at every other position this year. Um, and I think that's where someone like Rob Williams has made a difference where, you know, we look at with people think, Oh, centers are replaceable. Just get like a guy on a minimum and you'll be fine. And I think that's true. If you're a contender, right? If you're the nets, if you're the Lakers, then you can just put anyone there and be fine. But a lot of other teams, they don't have that much offensive firepower where they can just, you know, where, where it doesn't matter who their center is. Um, so I know that we try, everyone tries to copy the championship teams, but I think that's something that only the championship teams can get away with. And Celtics have kind of fallen from maybe that echelon to the point where now it's really helpful to have a guy who brings unique traits um, that Tice didn't bring. Yeah. I mean, you'll, I, I, I'm, I'll be interested. I haven't looked it up yet, um, but I want to see what the offensive rating is with time Lord in versus uh versus Tice just in the stretch um I know while they were both healthy it probably wasn't that great of a split for Rob but I'd like to see it now um and speaking on Rob he what you said about him carving out these little spaces it's such a I I don't know how to explain it like the only way to explain it is like you need a video but I know exactly what you're saying when you say that it's he catches it in like the dunker spot he has a a guy on both sides of him. And for some reason he can like squeeze through with his long arms and just lay it up. Like it's not even contested. Um, I don't know. It's really weird to explain, but he's great at it. I mean, you see it like twice a game. Uh, and I honestly, outside of his passing um, and, and his vertical spacing, I just feel like the offense just has energy and people are moving. And I think a lot of that has to do with time Lord out there. Like, I feel like he just gives you that, boost because of the spectacular plays he can give you um his rim running and just you know he's blocking shots it gives a boost to the team it gives a boost to the morale um and you've seen the off-ball movement has been so much better for the team recently um I mean a lot of that is because of the passing and the penetration that we're getting but the off-ball movement has been a, a lot better too and I just think when the ball's moving like that everyone's having a good time then everyone wants to make the extra pass everybody wants to move off ball and get open you know, I think Time Lord has been – I don't want to give him, like, all the credit here, but he was just kind of that, that boost in a droggy, weird season that the team needed. And, you know, we haven't even gone into his passing yet and what that brings to the offense. I mean, we kind of did talk about ZHOs, but the passing is just, you know – Tice wasn't, like, to say a bad passer. You know, I think when there was an open, easy read, he made the right play. But he wasn't – like some of these passes Tom Lord's made over the last week have just been absurd. That one against Houston, I think it was, when he was falling out of bounds and spotted Marcus Smart wide open at the top of the key. It's just – you know, it's something you can't teach. And he just regularly makes the right play and the right pass. I know I, even on the short roll situations where uh, where he catches it in the short roll, he's really quick on making decisions on where to throw the ball. Um, I think sometimes he gets a little – a little pass happy. I think sometimes he might have a lane and he just passes it, but you know, I guess that's a good problem to have, but his passing, man. I mean, it's just as a center, that's probably, what do you think? He's like a top five passing big man in the league. Oh, I'm well, a, uh, center. It's not big man. Yeah. Center. Yeah. I, I guess it would be Jokic, you know, Jokic, uh, Gasol, Bam, Sabonis, Bam, Gasol, yeah. uh, probably not five, probably top 10 there's probably a name I'm missing but like if after those four it is kind of level out probably unless I'm forgetting someone big um so yeah I wouldn't like I, I would put him he's starting to breach that conversation um and the reason I say that isn't just because he's making these like you know the occasional holy shit pass there's like you know routine passes that where his understanding of rotations are is clearly on display shortly after he made that survival pass uh saving it out of bounds to smart he had one where um he got the dho uh, or i think he like maybe didn't hand it off to you know whoever was streaking around him he noticed that the defense was uh you know helping one shooter off uh fournier and uh he made this kind of he, he passed uh he's kind of skipped it 
to the opposite uh, wing for an open Fournier shot. So, like, that was him immediately detecting that, the, you know, the back layer of the defense and realizing that Fournier would, would then have an open shot. So it's not just, you know, the occasional highlight play. There's several plays where you see a routine understanding of how, how he can bend the defense and how the defense will react. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of – it's something that has only just gotten better and better. Uh, I think your point about just him having a little bit more – you know, giving a little bit more life because people are excited to like play with him and, you know, see his growth. I think that's a very good point. I also think that like, he's part of the reason they've been able to run more just because he is able to, you know, get, he, he, he can, he can run rim to rim at the same speed as, you know, a, a Tatum or, or a smart, you know, he's, you have five guys who are all fast when he's playing center. Um, and, you know, it obviously just opens everything up to have a guy who defenses have to respect running to the rim. Um, it opens everything up for, you know, those quick swing passes on the perimeter in, in, in those kind of semi-transition moments. Yeah, I kind of want to get into that as well, actually. Um, transition of how I guess it's it had to have been a point of emphasis recently to actually get out and get some easy buckets. Because right now in the half court, we're basically um, like our shot profile is basically like, I, I don't know. I can't think of a team that's even close to it. We rarely shoot at the rim. Um, we take a absolute fuck ton of threes right now. Like I think we took 54 last night. It's been, it's been over 40 just about every night. Um, I compare us to the jazz in terms of shot profile lately. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I actually, I saw, you know, yeah, I saw people actually saying that where it's kind of like we have four perimeter guys who yeah. can shoot the ball, and then you have time lord. Like, you have your rim mm-hmm. protector who's just going to fuck around and go, you know, eight for eight every single night. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree with that. You're right. Our shot profile is probably very similar. I think we probably take some more uh, long twos or mid-range mm-hmm. in general because, you know, Brown's really cut down on them. But they, still, Kevin Brown and Tatum all take them. Smart takes them as well. Fournier likes them. So, you know, which isn't a bad thing to have. They, when they can't get to the rim, that's what they like to do. But in the half court, I mean, I think we're at the point where I I still think we need somebody. Um, I still think one, a couple of these guys need to just put a little bit more pressure on the rim eventually, because eventually teams are going to figure this out in the way we want to play. You're going to face a team like we'll talk about Tuesday night, Philly with Embiid. Um, and Philly just in general, that defense and how incredible it is, it's not going to be as easy. Um, you're going to have to find new ways to get buckets. And, you know, we still kind of aren't getting to the rim. You know, Tatum hasn't shown that growth this year. Brown is kind of the same-ish rim finisher he was last year, which was great last year. I think this year the biggest difference has been his passing and his uh, in-between game has been much better. With that, I think that's where you see most of the scoring jump with him. But <clears> – <throat> Transition, I guess I got completely off draft topic there, but transition is where I've, I think the last like week or so, I've seen Tatum get like twice a game, like uncontested dunks, layups in transition, which you never see from him. Like half the time he's, he's putting up 20 shots a night and he's scraping in the half court for every single one of these shots. Um, I think these are going to, you know, it gives the offense life. It's going to give Tatum, it's going to give Brown a confidence boost. Brown has been one of the better transition players like all year. Um, I heard that stat uh, on the TNT broadcast or the ESPN broadcast the other night. He's like second in transition points all year, which blew my mind because I did not think that at all. I guess other teams just really don't get out and run because I I don't know where you're at on that, but I don't particularly see Brown getting a lot of transition points. Like, I don't know. That's pretty surprising to me, but – yeah, I think trans- it's if uh, – I, maybe if you're counting, like, those early threes that he takes as yeah. transition points, I could see it. Because that's been another thing they've been doing is, like, whether it's – you know, it doesn't matter who it is uh, of, of the uh, best five perimeter players. Um, they're all comfortable taking those early threes before the defense is set, you know. I think – I talked about this in my Tatum article. Like, the everything about running plays for Tatum is about getting him – you know, those little pockets of space where he can rise up for three, whether it's a DHO pick and roll. And in transition, you're going to just have those if, if you look for them. If you keep your head up, if you uh, hit him 
as he's r- running back, getting back quickly, you're going to have those little spaces of uh, you're going to have those little spaces to rise up before the defense is set. So he's definitely benefited not only from dunks and layups, but just those early threes. And I think that's been, you know, something like you've said, they've prioritized is, Hey, we're probably, we haven't shown that we can get this open from three uh, in the half court as we slow it down. So if we have this, you know, opening, even if there's 20 seconds left on the clock, let's just take it right now. Um, Because we all are, we have good shooters. It's just a matter of getting open. Yeah. And I guess it's something, I mean, I like to see it. I think, I mean, for every team, it's easier to score in transition than the half court. Half court offense is always a a lower offensive rating. You're not going to score as much if you just play at a slow pace like that. And we have the team to push it in transition. It's a young athletic team, all guys who can handle the ball, um, all guys who can make quick decisions, who can shoot the ball outside of the center. So I like to see it. And that's why the crowdsourcing of creation has worked um, because we, you know, it's easier to cobble together a bunch of passers in transition. Whereas in the half court, you kind of do need that like pick and roll maestro a lot of the times or like that guy to create the initial dent. Um, It's much harder to get the defense scrambling from, from, from a set position without that type of a one ball handler. Um, so yeah, it definitely plays to their strengths of what this team is trying to do. Basically, I mean, basketball is a power play sport. You know, you want to create that advantage, play five on four, have the last guy always tracking, you know, being a pass late. Uh, and I think that's basically where Kemba last night against Charlotte was just incredible. You know, he was getting past his defender and creating that power play for us, putting the defense in a scrambling mode where they're rotating, but the ball's moving faster than you can rotate. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's all I would add on that. Um, I kind of want to talk – Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I guess that's where we're still kind of unclear with Kemba is, you know, will he do that against the premier defenses? And we'll kind of see a little bit of that tonight. Obviously, he's still – even if he doesn't have a good game, it doesn't mean he can't. Uh, it's just I think that is a little bit more in question – than in past years. So, um, yeah, it, the transition becomes less important if Kemba can consistently create half-court advantages. Uh, but right now it really helps to get that ball out early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other – well, I I, I, I'm, I guess I'll get right into it here and just – I'll ask you. Um, Romeo Langford made his return last night against Charlotte. He played – very limited minutes. I believe it was single digits, um, obviously, because he's trying to get his reconditioning up. But um, – and he hit a three, and he had a couple of really nice defensive plays. Uh, where do you see him fitting in in this offense? Because I think he's a he's a good – he's a very unique skill set, I guess I would say, and one that I don't think is exactly, like, perfect for this team. Um, so, I guess, where do you see him fitting in here? So I actually thought that that, that the uh, the weak side block he made and the off the dribble three he made were like two. Those are like the two Romeo things. Those are the two things that got him drafted 14th. Um, plays like that. I, I think it can be kind of misleading his his overall skill set because this is something I noticed in Indiana. He felt he looked more comfortable shooting off the dribble than off the catch. Um, which is actually pretty uncommon. Um, And he also, you know, was really good at rotating as a secondary rim protector on help defense, but sometimes got lost out on the perimeter, which is also kind of weird. You know, you expect a five, six, five athletic guy to be more comfortable off ball on the perimeter than uh, at the rim. So (laughs) I just wanted to note that these are two areas that, are really important and exciting and cool, but I still have a lot of questions about, you know, the overall skill set here, despite the flash plays. Yeah. I just, to me, just looking at the offensive end, he, he's best with the ball in his hands. Like, I don't think I didn't really get too deep into uh, looking at draft stuff until last year's class. So I didn't get too deep into the woods on Langford. I'm sure you did, but from the impression I got in the film I watched, he, he's a, you know, 
he can get you a bucket. You know, he's a bucket getter. He's got great touch in the, the floater range. He's got great touch around the rim. Um, a solid handle, but not exactly the most reliable jump shot. Um, like you said, catch and shoot, he's a much better pull-up guy. Or pull-up guy and just, you know, off the dribble. That's what he's comfortable doing. His catch and shoot, his set shot is <clears throat> rather ugly, to be honest. It's a very funky-looking shot. Um, so I guess that's just where – I mean, just the bland way of saying I don't think he's, like, the easiest fit for me because he's not really going to have the ball in his hands. I think attacking closeouts he, where he could be lethal, but I don't know, you know, that shot's going to have to fall for a team to really close out hard to him. And then the other play he did have that was nice was he had a really good individual defensive position on Devontae Graham, and I, and I think he has a lot to like as an on-ball defender. Um, but again, that was Devonte Graham and how much value are you bringing as, is he going to be able to do that against, you know, the, you know, is he going to be able to do that against, I guess, Sixers don't really have a guy like this, but like, you know, later in, if we brought him in against Luca, is he going to be able to do anything? Uh, and I know most guys aren't, but is he going to be able to do a little bit more than the average point of attack defender? Uh, when, when, when we really want to sick him on those, uh, you know, really star creators. Um, I think that's where he could make an impact in the short term. Um, I kind of think that he is a really good on ball defender against the guys who you don't really care about (laughs) as much, which is kind of tough. You know, if you're, if you're that kind of size and uh, you want to kind of have a little bit more equity off ball. And he does when kind of making those weak side rim protection, you know, rim deterrence plays, but, I still, you know, I still kind of doubt whether he can, you know, be a Tatum or a Smart or even like a Fournier uh, when thinking on his feet off ball. I kind of mentioned this on, on the scale, sense and scalability evaluating defense uh, episode where it's like he knows what rotations he has to make in a vacuum, but when the defense is scrambled a little bit, is he going to reliably – uh, make those tricky ones. You know, there was a play where like Peyton Pritchard was like explaining something to him, uh, probably a rotation that he missed or something. I didn't exactly see the play, but there, there I did have that vision, uh, v- visual of uh, Pritchard getting the Hornets game, you know, explaining to him uh, where to be uh, in, in a certain play that just happened. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I'm, I'm going to at some point today or tomorrow – Go through and rewatch all of his uh, minutes uh, on the defensive end just to kind of see. Um, there were a couple possessions when he was off ball that I noticed. Um, there was a pick and roll up top where he was uh, he was the low man, and I saw him tag the roller really well. Yeah. Let his man get back to him, and then he went back out to the corner. I mean, the pass never made it to the corner or anything. So there wasn't like a, a crazy play he had, had to make, but he tagged the roller. Um, but, yeah, for a young guy like him, those kind of off-ball things are probably a lot more teachable and, you know, easier to, to figure out. Uh, you know, he's he clearly understands the basic and, you know, he has the energy for those basic off-ball stuff like tagging the roller, hedging. I mean, he'll never hedge, but you know what I mean. Um, and showing help when he needs to. And those weak side rim protection plays like we saw, we saw it last year a few times. Um, those are, you know, the easier ones. Not not to say the block is easy to make, but it's the easier rotation to notice and identify. Whereas, you know, when the defense is in scrambling mode, can he on the fly think about how hard and who to close out to? Uh, you know, things like that. I'm, I'm going to go through back through and just see how he handled those situations. Tough, tough thing here is that Charlotte didn't do shit offensively, so we're probably never going to have to see this guy help at all. But – um yeah i he's interesting i think his defensive fit is a little easier because i think he can be a solid point of attack guy mm-hmm. i saw i think we saw last year a lot um there were a lot of highlights of him on ball defense you know he's six five he's got the length he's got solid build to him he's athletic so he can hang with guys on ball um but i think when you get into the trickier guy i mean they're not asking him to be a lockdown on ball guy so that's right. fine but yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, uh, no, that's a good point about his point of attack defense. Sometimes I think that, like, maybe you want also Jalen uh, there just because he, he kind of has the same issues off ball. Um, 
and you kind of have two guys who are best used as like the point of attack defender. Um, but, uh, and, and maybe if you know, you have like an elite matchup, you have to go with smart just to like really get into a guy and actually bother him. Um, but Langford, uh, I kind of think last year I compared him to like a piano player who, you know, doesn't improvise, but he, once he memorizes something, he can play it no problem. And, you know, he's barely had any NBA burn. So the fact that he doesn't know how to like think on the fly as much as some of our other guys is probably okay. Uh, he'll see those situations more and more often. It just won't be a situation where it's like Tyrese Halliburton and he's coming into the league day one, knowing what to do in every weird situation. But, you know, and, and that portends to a overall very good defensive player. It just maybe not an early contributor type like we might, like some fans might be hoping upon his return. Yeah. I, listen, I'm just excited he's back. I guess, you know, I, I, I see Celtics Twitter making a joke out of it, but I guess he is a real human being. I guess he's not <laughs> he a hologram exists. or a myth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see him back. I, I mean, he was the 14th pick last year. He missed, I don't even know how many games last year, a lot. Um, shows some bursts on what he can be. Um, but, you know, that's all I'll say on Langford, I guess, for now. Yeah, I mean, sh- we shout only out saw Romeo it. Langford, you know. Yeah, we saw uh, eight minutes of him, so. That's and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of people like like to roast Danny Ainge, myself included. He's just an easy target. And, you know, his draft record hasn't spoken for itself in the last uh couple of years you know he obviously hit with smart tatum and brown and it looks like rob williams um but a lot of our other first round picks uh other than you know i think grants about what expected i think you know maybe some fans would have preferred someone like tyrese maxey last year i think Smith has actually been really good uh for what i expected you know uh not only just the shooting which actually hasn't translated as well as i expected but just like the engagement and hustle plays and you know, he's kind of fallen out of the main rotation, but I, I, I think that's okay. And, you know, I still have some hope for him. Um, Pritchard, obviously, you know, no one really saw that coming, but then we all felt stupid for not seeing it coming. Um, and then, you know, you have a lot of guys in like the 2016 draft who did nothing. You have like James Young. Uh, Terry Rozier, I think, was a hit, but not for us. I mean, he had that one good ser- playoff series, um, and he's kind of – he's an NBA player, but he's in Charlotte now. And then uh, Rob Williams, though. Uh, That's a hit. Yeah. Like, overall, right? This is a new feeling to me. This is a new feeling to me. I, not since, like, maybe Rondo, which I was too young to appreciate his development. Um, this is – I can't think of, like, a guy who just really started coming into his own out of nowhere for the Celtics as a, on his rookie deal. Because, you know, we expected – smart and Tatum and Brown to be good. You know, the last two guys, especially they were the third overall pick um, and smart was the sixth overall pick. And, you know, maybe some people saw him as a little disappointing because of his lack of shooting, but slow enough, he became worth that investment. And then some, especially with the, what I think is one of the, uh, I think he's actually underpaid criminally. <laughs> so uh, those guys, you kind of saw it coming but like this is a new feeling to have a late first rounder who's greatly exceeding expectations and just like improving so rapidly. Uh, I, I I think that's why uh, it's been so exciting for me. It's just, I haven't felt this. Yeah. I think that's the way he's been playing. is kind of just like us trading Tice was like heartbreaking <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah. honest. And it's, he, he's making it easier, you know. You don't even, like you said, most nights we're like, oh, Daniel Tess would have helped tonight. It's like, I'm not really even thinking about Daniel Tess because <laughs> how well – and we haven't even had Tristan Thompson yet. So, we've been throwing out the Green Cornet and uh, Mo, Mo Wagner, however you <laughs> pronounce it, at backup center. Um, even some taco minutes in that first game. So, um, that's another area where we're going to get some minutes shirt up there when Thompson can – be our backup center. I know he's not great, but he's better than these other options. Well, um, it, I have a question though. Yeah, is is Luke Cornett good? Because I, I think he's better have, than Fogner. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like the way you say his name. You almost are, you sound like Hans and Franz on uh, Saturday well, it's Night not, Live. It's not pronounced Wagner, is it? I know, but you just say it with such like a, with such like a uh, over the top, you know, German <laughs> pronunciation. It's just funny. It, it, I, I don't know. I appreciate that, and it's funny because his brother is actually named Franz, and if he fell to the Celtics, I would be thrilled. Yeah, um, he's one of the guys I'm looking at, Joel Ayayi. I don't know if you saw the Gonzaga. You, you did see the Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, that game. game. Oh, my God. Yeah, you look at a guy like Ayayi. He, he like, basically – he's there, Evan Fournier. You know, he just makes everything easier for everyone else. Um, but uh, regarding Cornette, he's just been, you know, making some plays at the rim. <laughs> he's been hitting threes. Like, if he were to be good, it would be on the Celtics who, you know, seemingly – get these kind of folk heroes who just uh, center. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who just like overperform their expectations. Well, like, listen, like, like, got... like Tice was and, and like uh, Kendrick Perkins back in the day, you know, like these guys aren't good, but then they come to the Celtics and they're playable. Well, we have a very large uh, track record here of, big white centers that I, <laughs> yeah. I guess have played. I, I didn't want to I didn't want to make I didn't want to involve the whiteness aspect but yeah I mean Danny Ainge seems to he drafted Pritchard <laughs> he well I'm just Chicago talking about center Cornette. like we we oh, always yeah. get like I mean th- we had Tyler Zella for a while we had <laughs> yeah that's a... <laughs> it made him look you know half decent um yeah I'm we, we, trying we, to think we, of we the went other into ones. the playoffs with Tyler Zeller as the starting center well you remember the uh the semi-Urden years Vitor Favorani. Vitor Favorani, the Brazilian. Uh, Gigi Datome. Jarebko oh looked really good for us. Speaking of Gigi Datome, he uh, he shouted out IT after he got signed by the Pels. Good. Uh, Luke Harangody. Can't forget about him. Oh, my goodness. He was on the <laughs> Celtics. Yeah, you don't remember Oh, that? Oh, I got another name for you, uh, Greg Steamsma. Oh, my. He was incredible. Yeah, he was, he was our eighth best bar. player. He was our eighth, seventh best player. Never mind the fact that our ninth best player was uh, a washed-up Michael Pietras, but he was he was the eighth best player on an eight-man team. Yeah, he was he was a shot blocking machine. Um, yeah, but Luke Cornett, he, he, it's kind of weird with him because, well, first of all, I didn't know he was seven two until his first game. He had that uh, play where he challenged, I forget who it was at the rim and his hands were just so high up there. And I was like, I, I looked it up. I was like, how freaking tall is this guy? And it was seven yeah. two. I was like, Oh my God. But for someone seven two, he, I, I don't know if he can dunk the ball. <laughs> there were like three plays where he was right under the room by himself and laid it in. I mean, I'm yeah, that's so funny. he can dunk the ball, but yeah, he's got a unique skill set. And I know after the first game we played him, Brad, or it might have been Ainge saying he can defend the pick and roll well. They, they like his defense in the pick and roll. They like his rim protection, and he can space the floor. I was like, okay. So, I mean, you basically just described an all-star center. but <laughs> um, Well, that's he got the nickname the Unicornet, you know, when playing on the same team as Kristaps uh, um, in New York, you know, kind of you, you, you bring in the backup Kristaps, and he does a lot of the same things, just not at that all-star level. Yeah, I mean his well his nickname here now is the Green Cornet. I I, I, I kind of like Unicornet, but I can I don't know I I, I a Green Cornet's pretty good. I, it, it does kind of force you to pr- mispronounce his name. Exactly, like, that's the issue. Yeah, it, it's 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 good. It's good. There's something there. Um, I I I haven't been using it, but there's it has legs. <laughs> um. So, so I guess it looks like we're not using our last buyout spot. I mean, it looks like Cornette and Mo are uh, are gonna be here. Cause... I think that's uh, also part of like who's not become available. Uh, we talked about like maybe we did. No, we didn't because we didn't haven't we haven't recorded since before the trade deadline. But like, you know, Otto Porter and Kelly Olynyk were traded. Uh, both of those guys would fit perfectly as a kind of forward, um, a power forward. Maybe Olynyk plays some five. Um, not a huge issue if not, but yeah, I mean, those were the two guys who I was thinking about and I was uh, hoping for auto port. Yeah. I was kind of glad we didn't sign Drummond. Like I don't need to have a, I don't, I don't need anybody to spoil the time Lord party. Um, I, I think know. he just overlaps with Tristan Thompson a bunch. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very it's similar. Just like, 
And I think he would want to have a bigger role than Tristan Thompson will now have, um, which is why he signed with the Lakers. I think uh, he's going to play about 20 minutes a game, whereas in the Celtics, I don't know if he would have that. Yeah. So, or if he did, I wouldn't want that, you know, cause then that's, I want time Lord to get his 30 minutes at center, 30, 30, 32, 33, give time. Time Lord is an NBA caliber starter. Time Lord, Rob, Rob Williams, top hundred player. How does that sound? Um, I think I cause can... I've been thinking about that. I've been think I, I've been thinking, of, I've been thinking about Rob Williams, top hundred player. Well, I'd have to see the names in that area. <laughs> I know we don't like to rank guys in like a vacuum. It's just fun to say. I think he will be, I mean, at least by the end of the year. Um, If you're looking at like the other names, other centers in that like conversation, it's like Clint Capella, Jonas Valanciunas, probably guys, maybe Jonas has been playing better than that. Actually. Maybe he's like more (laughs) top 60, top 50. Um, Have you seen him play lately? Holy shit. But uh, yeah, you did. Cause he just, the Grizzlies skewered us him and D'Anthony Melton. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. But uh, overtime, Al, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's he's 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 entering that convo, which is a, a thing that you could say about Rob Williams in a lot of ways. Um, you want to quickly preview this week? Um, we have three games this week during the weekdays. I guess you could say. I don't know why I said it like that, but <laughs> so we face Philly tomorrow night. By the time you hear this pod, it'll be tonight. Um. As of now, it looks like we'll have the full squad. Uh, Wednesday night, back-to-back, we face New York. Assuming Kemba sits that game. Um, who knows with Jalen Brown's knee right now, he might be sitting one of these games as well. And then we face Minnesota Friday night to wrap up the homestand. So Philly, New York, Minnesota this week. I'm hoping for 2-1. and one. Um, I, I guess the, num- the, you know, the win-loss doesn't mean too much, but – I guess I just kind of want to see them build on the habits, you know, make these things habits, the way they're moving the ball, the way they're getting out in transition, the defensive communication and quick rotations. I just want to see the habits build up um, and I'll be happy. Even if we go one and two, uh, if first Philly tonight, or I guess tomorrow night, I don't know what I'm saying, but I just kind of want to see, uh, I want the game to be close, I guess. Like, I don't think we need to beat Philly. If we can keep it close and we uh, don't fall into bad habits against them, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think neither of you or I were too hell-bent on, like, winning a ton of games this year, like we've said. Um, I think the biggest thing is it was getting to the point where I was worried about the long-term vibes. You know, would would they explore other options? Would they look to trade guys? Would Tatum or Brown get unhappy? all that stuff. Would Marcus Smart want to get unhappy? Like the, the the way it was going, I was worried it would. And you know the comments from Ainge about how the players need to step up. I was worried that it would shake the team to its core, and it got really close. And maybe it still will. But I think we're on a path now where um, whether we you know win twenty of our remaining games or fifteen or fourteen, um, we're at the point where I think we'll be okay in the long term based on, you know, the, the vibes seem better and the guys are playing better. I don't know. So it, right now it's, it's it, every Celtics game doesn't feel like DEFCON one, like it did at some point this year. Well, Ainge and Brad Stevens have not hid the fact at all. That they are point blank, just calling out the team's effort and their focus. Like Brad, Brad has had multiple quotes where he has just said, like, the team just can't sustain a level of focus or something like that, which brings me into a weird – I guess I'll bring it up now because I kind of want to. Do NBA players um, – or have they ever in the past or currently – I mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Probably not. But have they ever explored using Adderall for games? <laughs> I know it's like a weird thing to bring up. That's kind of hilarious. I, I imagine I, – I don't know if it's uh, – <laughs> That's I don't know because I don't even know if it's like uh, just, you know <laughs> – that's so fucking funny. I'm sorry. I just like, um, thought about it one day when I saw the team just like missing rotations, <laughs> losing focus. I'm like, listen, you're not going to lose focus. And it's not like – I don't know. Th- th- then he'd be really fast, PP. Um <laughs> 
you, you, you just uh, be like, his eyes would be twitching. No, I don't, I don't want to joke about, you know, I know some people take Adderall and it really helps them. It's just, uh, I have friends who maybe have taken Adderall for when they, when they haven't needed it. Let's yeah, say, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, 100%, <laughs> but, uh, that's what the issue is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. sure they do like so, a some of them. Boost some of them. Some of them refer to it as a as a party drug, uh, but we won't go there. Um, I'm sure players do like a caffeine boost or sometimes like maybe the, yeah like a pre workout or something something to focus up and get more energy. I guess I don't know. We kind of talked about this in the sense and scalability dropping today. That was a lot just more about like you know kind of a a vibe check more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, players, uh, it's hard to focus on stuff right now. Uh, I'm sure for you, for everyone listening sometimes when there's just the specter of COVID uh, kind of affecting everything, uh, you know, a couple of guys on the team had been exposed to it and like, and just like, you know, last year, especially with all the protests going on, it's just, it's a weird time to be alive. And I know that that stuff, especially Jalen, was outspoken, but a lot of them have strong feelings about it. And it's kind of a weird year to really harp on a guy for not always focusing on the court, but it does seem like something that's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Scott. Well said. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I think we can, <laughs> I, well, I, before we wrap it up, I'm just looking at our schedule. The next Starting against Philly up until April 23rd is a really tough schedule. Like, really tough. And then the last 15 games or so is a fucking cakewalk, man. Like, we we go Charlotte. I'm not going to read out all the opponents, but we have a lot of bottom feeders over the last 15. But then the next 15 here are actually – not 15. I don't know what it is. But – sure. The next whatever is actually really tough because we have Philly, New York, Minnesota. I mean, that's fine. Then we travel. We have a three-game road trip in Denver, in Portland. Sheesh. I don't want to play Denver. I know they just – did they win? Did they end up they, beating the they Magic They beat us, but Jokic destroyed us. But did they did they beat the Magic last night? Yeah, did they that, ended up winning, yeah. That's hilarious because they, they, like, basically handicapped the Magic, like, 20 points and then just started playing. Um, Denver is scary right now. Yeah. And, uh, Portland, uh, Portland, and then the Lakers. Well, Lakers might be uh, back by then. Yeah, yeah, like Lakers. I think they're gonna finish around the third or fourth seed. And again, shout out me predicting the Jazz as the one seed. Uh, (laughs) Never gonna, never gonna. Well, Phoenix is right there, isn't it? Aren't they? That's true. That's true. Um, And they've been playing really good ball. They just, they just got Tory Craig for free. And you know, Tory Craig, not a world beater, but if. You know, w- w- compared to like Etwan Moore, Abdel Nader, I think that's given them just a little bit more ability to disperse that responsibility uh, for, for for their you know rotation guys. They've been playing great. Shit, man. Um, I just want the Celtics to make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, if we lose in the first round, that's okay. I just want a good series. Um, maybe we can try to angle for that fourth seed so we can get to the second round. Exactly. But that's my, that's my goal. I yeah, want the exactly. four or five, maybe face Miami. Um, yeah. That, that'd we, be a cool little rematch at four or five. Yeah. Um, it would be like a sad rematch at the same time. Cause like, yeah. these were the best of the Eastern conference last year. And now they're, <laughs> they're just like competing to see who gets to lose to Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think, well, let me ask you that real quick. If we say we got four or five, who, who do you want to be the one seed out East? Oh, probably Philly. You'd rather face um, Philly, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually. I know the Bucks are kind of considered frauds, but I'm kind of scared of them this year. I think Drew. Oh, I'm uh, terrified of him. I'm, is, I'm... is a killer. Uh, I think Bobby Portis, well, not an individually brilliant player, just gives them the flexibility to throw multiple looks out at us. So you know, if if we're killing them, if we're killing their drop coverage, they can adjust next year. I think what was maybe an okay matchup for the Celtics is now not a good matchup against the Bucks. Yeah, and we still don't have anyone to guard Giannis. Well, oh, I guess yeah. the Time Lord did really good on him the last yeah. game, actually, but... I think we'd have to play more Grant Williams. We'd have to have guys yeah. who can wall up in transition. Um, and uh, I think that Tatum at the four lineup might get shredded. Uh, 
if Giannis is feeling full health, which he wasn't in the bubble, and just getting downhill at will. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we can wrap it up. We kind of got sidetracked, but that's okay. I like that's it. That's okay. We're just talking hoops talking on a hoops. Uh, on a Monday afternoon. Uh, it'll be Tuesday when you listen, though. Yeah, it's uh, the weather's warming up, man. Today's actually it's not sunny today, but it's pushing sixty degrees. So yeah, I'm happy. I'll take it. Yeah, and uh, you know maybe that'll do wonders for the Celtics' morale as well. Just having nice weather in Boston for the first time in. You know, well, months. It's nice weather. They're they're dipping out. They're going out west. Oh right, right. That's right. <laughs> they're going. <laughs> but then to, we're coming. Uh, we do come back home for Golden State, Chicago, Phoenix homestand. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I imagine this. Uh, I know this has been a terrible season for a lot of guys, just like morale wise. But it is nice that they're not that the, that since it got pushed back a month, they get they're playing regular season basketball during nice weather more often. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. It means a lot if you made it to this point. Um, give us a like and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you don't mind, that'd be awesome. Uh, check out our other stuff, premiumhoops.org. Uh, check out the Premium Hoops podcast hosted by Mark. Um, and check out Sense and Scalability. I mean, they dropped an episode today I have not listened to yet. That's right. Um, I'm excited to listen to it. It's, it's a completely new change of pace. Uh kind of podcast so i'm excited to listen to that um they're doing great stuff over there but uh just have a good rest of your day and peace